Session 16, 1st and 2nd Peter and Jude. Introduction. As indicated earlier, 1st and 2nd Peter and Jude are among the general or Catholic epistles. Certainly, Peter was one of the most significant persons in the New Testament. He was among that innermost circle of Jesus' disciples, namely Peter, James, and John. Our earliest, in terms of when written, information about Peter comes from Paul's letters. In Galatians 1.18, Peter is a leader in the church at Jerusalem. As a new Christian, Paul is interested in coming to know this close associate of Jesus. At times, the relationship between Peter and Paul seems to have been quite unsettled. While Paul is generally known as the apostle to the Gentiles, Peter is known for his work among his own people, the Jews. It is not surprising that the canon includes letters attributed to this central figure, which later in the 4th century became known as the founder of the church in Rome. Luther recognized the value of 1 Peter. He categorized it with the Gospel of John, Romans, and Galatians as providing the essential knowledge needed for salvation. These works describe how Christ overcame sin and death and provides life, righteousness, and salvation. The same is not the case for 2 Peter that met with strong resistance in terms of acceptance into the Christian canon. A criticism leveled against it is that it involves a body of traditions to be believed and affirmed rather than affirming a personal relationship with Christ. John Eliot asserts that it has lost a genuine evangelical spirit or become more interested in the church as an institution. Other than the areas of biblical inspiration and authority, 1, 20-21, 2 Peter has been largely ignored in terms of exegesis, theology, and worship. In the area of hymnology, however, echoes of its language are found in O God, Our Help in Ages Past. 2 Peter's inclusion in the canon demonstrates, however, that the early church realized its importance. Jude is among those letters largely ignored in the history of Christianity. Like James, Jude also was the recipient of negative words by Luther. He asserted that it was nothing more than an epistle directed against clerics, bishops, priests, and monks, and the ecclesiastical abuses of the day. He did not include Jude among the chief books that were supposed to lay the foundations of the faith. Again, however, Jude's inclusion in the canon demonstrates the early church understood its value. First and Second Peter and Jude Letters of Peter these two general epistles are the only direct writings we have of the apostolic hero Peter. They address the situation and needs of the early church from a primarily Jewish standpoint. Although Peter does not narrow his audience to just Jewish Christians as James did. Who? Author. Traditional position. Peter, the apostle. Grew up in Bethsaida and lived in Capernaum with his family. Both of these towns were on the Sea of Galilee. He was a fisherman by trade, became a disciple of Jesus, and a leader in the early church. He was a Jewish Christian who recognized Gentiles did not have to become Jews to be Christians. Petrine Tradition This position, developed in the 19th and 20th centuries, argues that differences in style between 1 Peter and 2 Peter indicate different authors. These differences can easily be explained by reading the letters themselves. 1 Peter 5.12 says, with the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly. Second Peter does not acknowledge any help in writing. First Peter is considered to have better Greek than Second Peter. Audience First Peter 
God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. 1 Peter 1.11 These cities were in northern Asia Minor. Another possible translation of the designation strangers is exiles. Traditionally, the exiles of 1 Peter have been understood in a symbolic way. The term parapodemos, or exile, of 1-1, presents the idea of a transient visitor who temporarily resides as a foreigner in a given location. The exiles have been interpreted as the people of God whose home is in heaven and who are pilgrims on earth. The exiles are not permanent residents on earth, but travelers on a journey. Their true citizenship is in the kingdom of God, and the laws of this kingdom govern their lives. Nothing in life must interfere with arrival at their final destination. In more recent times, particularly through the work of John Eliot, A Home for the Homeless, the spiritualization of the audience of 1 Peter has been called into question. Eliot distinguishes between the periepidemos, exile of 1-1, and the paroikos, or resident alien of 2-11. As pointed out by Eliot, the term paroikos, or resident alien, is a technical term referring to a person having specific legal status as a non-citizen. Taken together, exiles and aliens refer to the suspected, disdained, vulnerable outsider. What difference does all this make in terms of interpretation? Rather than referring to the people of God as pilgrims on earth who are away from their true heavenly home, 1 Peter is concerned with an actual sociological group of persons who find themselves away from their earthly homes and dwelling in a foreign land. 2 Peter, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. 2 Peter 1.1 Where? Author, Babylon, 1 Peter 5.3, which was alias for Rome. This was probably the location for both letters, unknown for Petrine tradition author. Audience, Northern Asia Minor for 1 Peter, Anywhere for 2 Peter, unknown for Petrine tradition audience. When? 1 Peter, before A.D. 64-66, through 66, A.D. 100 plus for Petrine tradition. 2 Peter, around A.D. 68, A.D. 100 plus for Petrine tradition. These dates in the 60s would indicate a time of great unrest and tension, especially for the Jewish Christians. They fit the setting of the letters, which talk about suffering for doing good and being a Christian. The command to submit to every authority would also fit this difficult time, when the Jews were in revolt against the Romans. What? Special Verses 1 Peter 1.7 Trials have come so that your faith may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. 1 Peter 1.15-16 and 16. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. 1 Peter 1, 18-23 By whom and at what price were we ransomed? 1 Peter 2, 11-3-13 Conduct codes for Christian aliens and exiles, specifically slaves, wives, husbands, and everyone. 1 Peter 3, 14-17 The attitude we should have when suffering for righteousness' sake. 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6, God and humility. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 8, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7, 
With what should we support or add to our faith? 2 Peter 2, 1-22 Description and fate of false teachers 2 Peter 3, 3-18 Second Coming of Christ 2 Peter 3, 8-9 But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. 2 Peter 3, 15 and 16 indicates Paul's letters are known and authoritative. Why? 1 Peter 1 Peter was written to encourage believers in the face of persecution and suffering, present or coming. The suffering Christians are here called upon to embrace not just any suffering. Suffering comes from many avenues. At times, it derives from our own poor choices. On other occasions, suffering comes from circumstances entirely beyond our control. Key passages on suffering in 1 Peter are 2, 18-24, and 4, 12-19. This latter passage begins, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you are sharing Christ's suffering, so you may also be glad and shout for joy when His glory is revealed. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory, which is the Spirit of God, is resting on you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, a criminal, or even as a mischief-maker. 12-15 NRSV In both passages, innocent suffering or suffering for doing good is addressed, not suffering for doing wrong. The prototype for unjust or innocent suffering is Christ Himself, as indicated in 1 Peter 2, 21-24, that draws upon suffering servant imagery from Isaiah 53. This passage from Isaiah was one of the primary texts used by Christians in seeking to understand the life and sufferings of Jesus Christ. A Christian does not seek suffering for suffering itself. The hurts pains of life are just as deep for the Christian as for the non-Christian. There is a type of joy, however, in innocent suffering, in that at this point the believer identifies with Jesus himself. In 1 Peter, suffering is to be understood not unexpected for those who belong to the household, 417, or family of God, see 2.5, a spiritual house, to keep their eyes on eternal salvation and not on the temporal persecutions, 1, 6-9, 4.13. He contrasts life as a foreigner or pilgrim, citizen of heaven, versus the life of the world, the life of the pilgrim, the life of the world. Be obedient to God, 1, 14, 22. Rebellion against God. Be holy, 1, 15. Unholiness. Live as servants, 2, 16, 4, 11. Live selfishly. Be prayerful, 3, 7, 4, 7. Reject God. Live openly. Transparently, 2.16.3.16. Live deceitfully. Do what is good, 2.15.3.16 and 17. Do what is wrong. Be gentle and respectful, 3.15. Live harshly or insolently. Love one another deeply, 1.22.4.8. Hate one another. Exercise self-control, 1.13.4.7.5.8. Live excessively, wildly. Live humbly, 5 6. 
be proud and arrogant. Reject evil, 2.11. Embrace evil. Accept human rule, 2.13.17. Reject human rule. Control sinful desires, 2.1.11. Give desires free reign. Do God's will, 4.2. Reject God's will. Share with others, 4.9. Hoard possessions. Use our gifts for others, 4.10-11. Refuse to share. The author of 1 Peter concludes that the Christian's main goal is to follow Christ, wherever that leads. 2 Peter. Christians are to grow in grace, goodness, knowledge, self-control, endurance, godliness, and mutual affection. 1, 5-8. Believers can have confidence in the Old Testament and in the apostolic teachings. 1, 12-21. Of particular note, verse 12 reads, Therefore, I intend to keep on reminding you of these things, though you know them already and are established in the truth that has come to you. Verses 20-21 through 21 declare, First of all, you must understand this, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, because no prophecy ever came by human will, by men and women moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. NRSV These verses accord with 2 Peter's emphasis on tradition. They point their audience to the basic traditions and understandings on which their faith has been based. In 1, 20 and 21, the divine aspect of Scripture is stressed. Believers must beware of false teachers and doctrines. 2, 1-22 In this, his portrayal of these false teachers and doctrines, the author of 2 Peter most closely follows Jude. It appears that certain heresies were threatening the unity of the church. It seems that some persons were willing to discount the utterances and traditions from the past that include the word spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken through your apostles. 3.2 NRSV Evidently, this discounting of past teachings led to a discounting of belief in the coming of Christ. Peter gives an explanation as to why Jesus had not returned. God's time is not like our time, and delay indicates God's patience. He also explains the day of the Lord will come like a thief, so we must be ready by living holy and godly lives. 3, 8-13 Letter of Jude Jude is a short, one-chapter letter that is very similar to 2 Peter 2. It reflects the same tension-filled time as Peter's letters and a similar concern for how to identify and deal with false teachers. From a literary standpoint, David Barr refers to Jude as a fine example of an ancient exercise known as invective, the dark side of demonstrative rhetoric, persuasive argument the opposite of eulogy. As eulogy intends to praise the worthy, so invective seems to damn the unworthy. Jude is much concerned with the denunciation of persons who are promoting false beliefs. Who? Author. Servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. He was most likely the half-brother of Jesus and brother of James the patriarch of the church in Jerusalem. Audience. All chosen and loved by God the Father and kept safe by Jesus Christ. The text seems to point to Jewish Christians who have a background in the Old Testament and Jewish pseudepigraphal writings such as 1 Enoch, Jude 14 and 15. Jewish pseudepigraphal writings are written under false names and largely appear between the 2nd century BC and 1st century AD. They were not included in anyone's canon of sacred texts. 
Jude cites 1 Enoch 1.9, a document which presents itself as being written in the seventh generation of the human race, but which was actually written during the second century BC. 1 Enoch was well known among Jewish and Christian audiences. Where? Author, unknown, probably Jerusalem. Audience, unknown, perhaps Jewish Christian churches of the diaspora. When? A.D. 66-80. through 80. This was a time of increased tension between Rabbinic Judaism and Jewish Christianity. Christianity is facing persecution from Judaism and the Roman government. What? Special verses. 4, 8-19. False teachers depicted in 8-13 through 13 as dreamers who defile the flesh. Those who reject authority. Slanderers of the glorious ones, angels, and of what they do not understand those who go the way of Cain and abandon themselves to Balaam's error, those who perish in Korah's rebellion, those who are blemishes on your love feasts, waterless clouds carried away by winds, autumn trees without fruit, wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their own shame, and wandering stars for whom the deepest darkness has been reserved forever. These verses refer to those who led others into sin or misguide and who are dangers to the community. For example, Balaam was willing to seduce God's people to idolatry for a reward. 24-25 To him who is able to keep you from falling, and to present you before his glorious presence, without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be the glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. In this closing doxology, Jude leaves no doubt of his confidence that his audience will not succumb to any type of false teaching and can be brought to final salvation. Why? Some principles that come out of this letter include Believers must fight for the doctrine of the deity of Jesus because this is fundamental to the Christian faith. Salvation involves moral transformation. Concerning this issue, John Eliot Confusing the liberty which divine grace confers with a license to self-indulgence, sexual promiscuity, rejection of authority, and exploitation of other believers, they, Jude's audience, denied with their behavior that Jesus Christ is our only Master and Lord. False teachers can be identified by their lifestyles, which do not live up to their teachings. It appears that Jude's audience claimed a type of knowledge and gift of the Spirit that made it possible for them to remain unaffected by normal concepts of morality, to urge the believers to build one another up and resist evil, false teachers, and doctrines. Application Read First and Second Peter and Jude in two different translations. Look for answers to the five hermeneutical questions. Who, what, where, when, and why. How do your findings correspond with those presented in this session? Any new findings than those presented in this session? 2. Read Jude 4, 8-19 that describes false teachers. Compare the verses with 2 Peter 2, 1-22. What are the similarities? What are the differences? What is the significance of what you have discovered? 3. Jude 8-13 provides a description of the false teachers who were a threat to the Christian community. In this description, the persons of Cain, Korah, and Balaam are mentioned. Using information from study Bibles, Bible dictionaries, or Internet websites, Biblical Studies Foundation, www.netbible.com, Blue Letter Bible, 
www.blueletterbible.org, crosswalk.com Bible study tools, bible.crosswalk.com. Research these individuals. How does what you have discovered help throw light on the nature of these teachers and your understanding of these passages? Of what relevance are your findings for the church today?